Hi, everyone, and welcome to this free episode of TF. It is Riley and Alice in studio today. It's the free one. It's the free one. There's no hooting and hollering uh, because Hussein and Milo are both at undisclosed locations. Mm-hmm. However, to bring both to bring the hooting and much of the hollering, uh, yes, almost all of it, really, uh, we are very glad uh, to be joined by Greg and Jordan from Brigham Young Money all the way over in Utah. Guys, how's it going? Hello, I'm 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 the meme of the the hooting and the hollering at the soda fountain right now. Yeah, he brings all the hooting and all the hollering. I just uh, I don't know what I bring to the equation, honestly. <laughs> just, you know, if, if he's bringing all the hooting and all the hollering, what you are, my friend, is you are the bez. <laughs> what is the, the Utah bez? bez? Oh, from Happy Mondays? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't expecting a Happy Mondays pull from you, to be honest. That's well, not the kind of music I associate with well, you. Oh, I don't know anything about the Happy Mondays as a band. I know them because I like Steve Coogan's films. Uh-huh, but you were aware of Bez from the Happy Mondays. I've, the the one who used to be there in order to take drugs and nominally be part of the band. Yes. Yeah, the guy who's the the guy in the Happy Mondays whose job was to be on stage really high, uh-huh. dancing around and not playing any music. Sure. So we have the Alex Ryder bringing the hooting and the hollering, and we have the Bez playing his maracas. <laughs> the dream. I can live with that. Yeah, I'm glad to just bring you guys a little bit of uh, uh, of British culture that I've internalized from being here for so long. But uh, no, I I can neither of you are the Bez. Uh, you're 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 both the Alex Riders, and we are here to talk. Just, just fantastic interpersonal work there. You <laughs> Thank know? you. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, so we're going to talk all about this a, a very interesting phenomenon, which is how the Mormon Church uh, and the sort of state of Utah have managed to, as they have been for the last like hundred years, be the perfect capitalist subjects and the perfect agents within capitalism to ride every successive wave and adapt to every change they need to, to create a tech industry in Utah, basically. That's right. Utahology. (laughs) Have they invented a sort of silicon geographic feature for this yet because i know there's like a silicon valley like for real and then in west virginia they talk about like the silicon holler and stuff and it's like is there a silicon salt lake or is what, what do they call it they call it silicon slopes which is ex- exactly oh that sucks so bad we, mm-hmm. uh, just like britain we had the olympics once and we made it our entire identity ah okay right gotcha i will also yeah. say that uh my mom was a nurse in utah county for a lot of years at a hospital that per capita did more boob jobs than anywhere in the world. So uh, Silicon, <laughs> silicon dolls, Slopes you know? takes on a, a double meaning. It's a bit of a double <laughs> entendre here in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to ask all of you to tell me what you think Valid Phil Oh no, is. we've abruptly moved into the startup segment. Yeah, Va- right. Valid Phil? You Valid said? Phil. Okay. Ooh. That's right. I want to start with Greg. Is that Lisa Valid Ann's Phil. new venture? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's actually what's going to happen is that's her new venture, and then it's go- she's going to be aqua hired by Twitter. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then she's going to be made the CMO. No, I do not believe Lisa Ann is involved with Valid Phil. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I have no idea. 
Jordan, what do you think? Valid Phil. Okay, for Valid Phil, I'm going to go with it's an ESG approved landfill service. <laughs> oh, interesting. How would that So what we think it's like we've chosen the We've chosen the most uh, deserving place to be a new landfill. We, we are putting a <laughs> landfill outside this. Uh, yeah, we, we do a traditional like land acknowledgement <laughs> before we dump a bunch of garbage into the we land. We are dumping and then just toxic it. chemicals on stolen yeah. Navajo lands. This landfill recognizes the uh, the first peoples to inherit this this Jesus land, and Christ. they're sort of like rollers, guardians, and stewards of it. Yeah, which uh, was terminated by us dumping a bunch of chemical waste into it. Yeah, uh, you know what's really funny about it? Before we go on about ESG, is how much of the ESG rating is stuff that. All of the people who are like this, the, the 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 various you know the Twitter blue tick people or the, mm. the Vivek Ramaswamy or whatever who's like ESG is a Marxist uh, plot from Davos to blah 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 is how much of your ESG score is actually just like yes your your chief executive is at a sufficiently uh, is at a sufficient remove from your board of governors and stuff like that yeah I mean it's remarkable how much like very very corporate inside baseball people who are, do should not be exposed to it know about like genuinely I saw some like anti-LGBT chads talking about DEI mm-hmm. and it's like you don't why do you know what DEI is? Well that's the thing they don't actually know what it is uh-huh. <laughs> they know the acronym yeah. just like with ESG the like the the story of it is this will be a thing that realigns the incentives of, of the capitalist with society in general but right it, and actually what's in it is something that's very very dry and very technical but it mm-hmm. occupies this place yeah. in the right-wing imaginary. It, it's bizarre. Anyway, uh, no, I'm afraid it is not an ESG landfill, but that's a great idea and I will be taking it. Alice, valid <laughs> fill. Alright, I'm just thinking, I'm in mind of like parking validation here, so oh god, if, if you if you park illegally or inconsiderately, a sewage truck comes along and fills, like it sticks a sewage thing into the vents of your car and just fills it with like shit. Oh, that's, justice. Yeah, exactly. It's street justice. It's street justice. It's street. It's, yeah, it's street it's actually, justice. For, it's just below street justice. I mean, this is. I, I'm. It's wishful thinking, right? This is a startup that I would invest in, uh-huh. uh, and that I would be happy to see made real. Um, I want to see a cop car that is parked across like three disabled parking spaces, a bike lane, and a bus lane at once somehow. The NYPD stretch Hummer. Hell yes. Um, I, I, <laughs> what for the going to police prom? Yeah, I, I would love to go to police prom. No, I, I, if, if I could see that like filled up by like a septic truck, that would, I think, make my life. Like, what, like one, of the, one of the garbage men in New York that gets like the epaulets in the metal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They gotta give you a special like medal for that. I'm, that's, a, I'm, a, I'm a garbage man operator. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's what Valid Fit is. Valid fill will fill your your vehicle uh-huh. with shit and piss. Uh, I'm afraid again, another good idea. It's not that. Fuck. I'm, I'm gonna ask what you all the question. What if you could play self serve beverage dispensers in locations you never considered before? <laughs> that's oh, okay, that's an incredible sentence. First of all. Uh, okay, places I've never cons- how how broadly are we drawing this? Could I put a self serve beverage dispenser on like one of the moons of Venus? Are we? <laughs> 
That's only limited by, I suppose, how much thrust you can generate. We, we put we put a diving bell together. We're dropping a self serve beverage machine onto the wreck of the Titanic. It's gonna like take out the fucking uh, bell, just or like something. A, just like a really misguided person who wants to help. Like I bet those Titan people. They've been stuck down there for a while. They're probably hungry. They're yeah, thirsty. I, I like saw the first piece of news that, that said they were trapped and they hadn't heard anything. Stopped seeing the news after that. So I assume they're still down there. Yeah. You know, and they need I need to empower them oh, sorry excuse me yeah we need to empower the one person in that sub who is the kind of person who gets like a hot chocolate from a coffee machine is what this an american could... company sorry to interrupt it is yes. yeah because i can't think of anything more american than like american cities getting sweet treat uh dispensers <laughs> on every corner before public bathrooms well, see, that's the, also the thing. It's it's promising to me self-serve beverage dispensers in places I'd never considered. But I can consider self-serve beverage dispensers in a lot of places. And like, if the answer is just more stores, I'm going to be pretty furious because I want places I've genuinely never considered. Yeah. I want to see one like teetering on the top of the Washington Monument. <laughs> yeah, this R is... Riley, where is yeah. this uh, company located at? Uh, I'll tell. Well, I'll, I'll, while I look for that on this on the site, I'm going to give you the next uh, hypothetical, which is: What if you could empower prepaid coffee customers with an express line? Uh, I love to go to. Uh, oh, it's in Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah. Yes, that's. I was about to say that sounds like an inc incredible Florida invention. Yeah. So, so wait, I'm, I'm I have like TSA pre-check to get a coffee from the coffee <laughs> machine. Is what you're telling me? That is right. Yes. I, I hate when I have to go through, like, airport security to get my little hot chocolate. Well, what if you could offer new levels of premium service for guests, or develop new offers you never thought possible? Why is this worded like a sort of a coffee machine cult? Well, I, I like the idea, actually, that you brought up earlier, which is one of these, um, one of these paradoxes about the nature of God. Uh -huh. Like, could, could God create a rock so heavy he himself could not lift yeah, it? Could, could you imagine a new coffee machine related offer in a place that you could not possibly have imagined hitherto? Yeah, you sort of break your own mind on this sort of Lovecraftianly. I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm all in on this. I love the Heaven's Gate Cafe team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have, we have placed, we have placed a, um, a self-serve coffee machine like on top of K2 and what it offers you is is eternal wisdom. We, we've done a sort of like city in the city thing where the coffee machine is technically placed on your street but it's like placed in a way that's like beyond seeing and you have to like go around it from another direction in order to sort of like perceive it. Well here's another question for you. What if you could deliver new profit platforms with refill vessels? What then? What then would you do? Fuck I don't know. I've never thought about this before. <sighs> This proposal's amazing. I, I I've never thought of any of this. I just want this. I want this selfishly because you know, uh, famously Mormons don't drink coffee. So I need. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I need a self-serve coffee dispenser on like every square inch of Temple Square, <laughs> right by the Mormon Temple in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Yeah, it's like really shoving it in your yes, face. Absolutely. You know? We are pushing the coffee agenda on the Gentiles. <laughs> yeah, that is something. I mean, honestly, that's something that, like, yeah, that's a place you'd never considered putting a coffee machine before is what, in, the in, the, in the Holy of Holies. Yeah, in, I need it on yeah. Captain Moroni's trumpet on top of the Salt Lake City <laughs> Temple. <laughs> Yeah, we have we we have and we developed an offer you never thought possible, which is like constant grinding temptation. <laughs> <laughs>
It just makes God you works not in mysterious ways. <laughs> Thank you, Valid Phil. I actually had never imagined putting a coffee machine there or that offer related to a coffee machine. Somehow we related to the book of Job. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, like most people just go across the street from Temple Square to the church's multi-billion dollar shopping mall yeah. and just go to Starbucks there. Right. But, you know, that's more fun to just be right outside like the visitor center. <laughs> this is the thing. I, I you know, I, I thought in my mind about someone doing like, a, oh, well, why don't you do like equal opportunity offensiveness? Why don't you? Why don't you say, what if you put a coffee machine in the Kaaba? And I'm like, that's fucking hysterical. I would absolutely <laughs> be on. Oh, yes. I think that's the funniest thing you could possibly do. There's like three five guys like within at like 10 meters of the carver already it's <laughs> it's fine that you can't desecrate it yeah. anymore than it already has been like as soon as as soon as we get like as mbs just approves some drone delivery company you're yeah. gonna be able to gut like deliveroo to yeah, the carver fully yeah so here's another question for you what if you had real-time data available in the performance of every beverage refill offer at any location <laughs> Uh, I, I would consider this to be uh, I would do like Bush era leftism and be like this is like the Patriot Act to me the government <laughs> or anyone else should not know how many times I order a little hot chocolate alright alright I, I think you. I probably need to tell you now what Valid Phil actually is and this was sent in to me because friend and co-worker of the show uh, Tom uh, sent in to me uh, a, 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 an experience of going to Oppenheimer where now at the cinema in London, they one of the cinemas is using valid fill technology, and it's an RFID chip um, embedded in a cup that makes sure that you don't get free refills. Oh, that sucks <laughs> so bad, dude. After all that, after you promised me a hot beverage self-serve machine somewhere that no human mind could comprehend it, uh -huh. the answer is you can't get free, you can't cheat the refills anymore. Yeah. I remember when you used to make a suicide by putting all of the different flavors in, right? No more. Uh -huh. We are oh. finally going to end... Uh, we are finally going to end people getting too crazy with the Coca-Cola freestyle machine. Not that free of style, I think. We'll find <laughs> Coca-Cola. So, so we're just style. going back to the the thesis of the show too. What if your soda co can could just uh, call the cops? Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. This is yeah. this is like the final stage of Reaganism. I feel like yeah. this is we we've gone from you know welfare queens to now no refills on your sodas mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for example, the example they give is uh, at Binghamton University in the States, um, go... Go Binghamton fighting Binghams. Bearcats. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Binghamton fighting Bearcats. You too can support the Bearcats. So you have to buy the electric coffee mug. This is such a season one startup, I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> buy the electric electric mug, and then you buy a... Pa you, like put your money on your mug and you buy a package for your mug. Oh, this sucks so fucking Jesus. bad, dude. What? So you can get a two drink recharge for $2.29, a five drink recharge for $4.99, or unlimited refills for $24.99 a semester, as opposed to what you used to have, which was just a cup. The thing about going to university, particularly in the United States, right, is it's famously, it's very cheap. So the yes. universities, which don't have big endowments, right, they're really quite strapped for cash. They have to to do this. They have to sort of like nickel and dime you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't be getting free. Uh, students? I mean, that, that's money that you're robbing from the Fighting Binghams, uh, like, programs, you know? We need that new stadium for the Fighting Binghams. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, for example, like, the example they give is, 
uh, a university like issue. Hey, hey, welcome to welcome to you know Binghamton University. Go Binghams. Here's your <laughs> here's your cup. It's fighting bee. You have to say the whole go, thing every time. Go fighting Binghams. <laughs> um, and then here's your cup. And then that's like that's your one. And then you you have to put money on your account. This is my cup. It. There are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> <laughs> so they they say, what does this offer my business? Without my cup, I am useless. <laughs> Without me. <laughs> Private Pile, you will salute the fighting Binghams. <laughs> I just—it's—it's it's, a—he's sitting in the in the bathroom at night. The the music is playing. He's rocking back and forth, and he's just like three ounces of Coca Cola, two ounces of Sprite, <laughs> topped up with iced tea, iced tea, and then filled with Orange Fanta. <laughs> yeah, they find an Orange Fanta in his locker and make everybody do push-ups while he swigs the 64-ouncer. <laughs> he swigs a 64-ouncer with no RFID chip at all. <laughs> sir, it's um, an Orange so Fanta, sir! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they filled both glasses of shit that high! <laughs> Uh, I've had Kubrick oh. on the brain recently. Oh my god! Yeah, because we we had, you were doing the Kubrick stare at spitting image. Yeah. yeah, we went to go see the spitting image. Uh, oh, spoiler alert gosh. for an episode that's going to come out uh, probably somewhere in the next few weeks. We went to go see the spitting image musical. Yeah, subscribe to the Patreon now. Just, it's bad. I just Kubrick bad. stared the whole time. Yeah. Full metal so here, soda cup. <laughs> uh, it's a good episode title candidate. Full metal soda, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here are some of the other other things they offer. Right. So campus retail. Um, they say campus retail operators can now leverage prepaid fountain as an engine to boost retail profits. God, man. Ugh. Do we have to uh, monetize everything? Yes. Everything. Yes, we do, especially at the college. Like, as if, like, the college bookstore wasn't, like, the most, like, exploitative thing on campus to begin with. Like, good hell. Mm. Well, it's, hey, you know, now they're just getting... It's constant gambling adver advertisements, and now they're like, oh yeah, don't worry, you can subscribe to Coca-Cola. Mm. Uh, when campus operators deliver a network of controlled dispensers, they create an opportunity to offer the proven good all semester vessel. So you buy a cup that lets you drink. It's basically like sorting people... Uh, like in Elysium, like the like the grand um, the, the grand aristocrats with their good old semester. Cup. Well, this is the thing. Like whenever we've tried to like tokenize this stuff in fiction, it's always been like, oh, you have a little wristband, or you have a little like jewel embedded in the back of your hand, or you have like a a custom colored jumpsuit that says like, oh, you're on clearance code Periwinkle, so you're allowed up here. And it, it turns out it's it's just the, the cup that you get your coffee in. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a keep cup, basically. <laughs> So not only does this offer have a very high price per serving, it offers convenience value to consumers and is the engine by which successful operators increase their margin. If, if you try and like put any other liquid in the good old semester cup, it gets sent immediately to campus police. <laughs> yeah, no, it just it it just bursts into flames. Yeah, they like somehow. deploy the SWAT team, you know. <laughs> like this sounds like like something that Philip K. Dick would have like pitched to his editors and got sent back because it was like yeah. too far fetched. Like, <laughs> yeah, come like on, we need to be at days. least rooted in some sort of reality here, Philip. <laughs> can you t can you so, take it down just like a few notches? And you know, if people get upset about this or anything like that, they're just going to point to like, well, we had to do this because people have been pirating books because we were selling them at like an outrageous amount to begin with, anyway. So, so now you get to have some kid on, on, on 
work study just upsell you on Coca-Cola as you buy like a T-shirt and two books. I mean, if this is if this is RFID or or the thing has a QR code on the bottom, that doesn't sound very secure, which opens up the possibility of legitimately Coke freestyle machine hacking. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I hate that these yeah. are the cybersecurity challenges of our of our new age. Uh, guy getting free refills with like a QR code that fucking uploads something to the machine. I I really want to. I I really would love if like to get another cyberpunk um, novel that really engages with how fucking stupid it all ended up being. I, well, all I can yes. recommend in the meantime is Boys Weekend by Matthew Lubchansky, which covers a lot of Hell the same yes. ground. Boys Weekend. That sounds like a book I can buy. You can buy it at almost any good bookstore. Uh, so I'm gonna before we move on to the the sort of the Utah chat, I want to say the last little thing about Valid Phil. Uh, this is from their About Us page. It's really fun. Valid Phil uses the magic of RFID technology. That's okay. an old tech. That's not very new. Mm. No, and not very secure. Like yeah. I'm saying, you could get a little flipper zero and just be like, okay, the machine is now gonna like puke orange Fanta until someone comes and tries to turn it off. I mean, I for <laughs> one love a whimsical startup. I, I do. This is I do too. This is like very season one for yeah. us. This is this is, this is so, old school. This is, it's a lot of fun. So it uses the magic of RFID technology placed on drinkware to deliver a new level of intelligence and business opportunity. Through its patented solution, ValidFill makes it possible to control your dispensed beverage business and customize a viable prepaid refill program. ValidFill, colon, and this is my favorite part of it, their tagline, dispensing wisdom. Oh, <laughs> fuck me. So running. just a, a peek behind the curtain, I've spent a, a large part of my career uh, as a, a marketing copywriter and, you know, just writing, mm. writing bullshit and getting checks. And sure. uh, I've worked for a few local startups and I kind of have like a, a, I don't know if you call it a fetish, more of like a fascination with just <laughs> shitty marketing copy. And that's about as good as I've, I've ever I've ever it's going listened in, it's to, going I've ever big, heard. Like, Dispensing like wisdom for an RFID is just chef's kiss. Mm. It's, it really, when I, I, I saw it and I, I knew it had to be in. Yeah. Um, they have two partners. Whirly Drinkworks, our strategic <laughs> drinkware partner. <laughs> Excuse me? Whirly Drinkworks, Whir strategic Whirly drink drinkware partner. That's what like I would call a bar after I've suffered a huge injury to the language center of my brain. <laughs> Yeah, trying to describe making a cocktail. It's a whirly <laughs> yeah, the whirly drinkworks. The, the revolving bar, the whirly drinkworks. Yeah. That's what like Willy Wonka would call it, like <laughs> yeah. Coca Cola if he bought it. It's like it's no longer Coke. It's now Whirly Drinkworks, whirly everybody. Drinkworks. <laughs> and then their other partner is the Coca Cola Company. Oh, that's a big partner. God okay. damn it. Hell yes. <laughs> you don't really need a second partner once your other partner is Coke. <laughs> that's right. Anyway. Anyway, that's all for the for the larking about with the startups. A chilling portent of things to come. Let's talk about Utah. The beehive state. Let's dispense some wisdom. Yeah, let's dispense a little bit of wisdom. Uh, let's talk about Silicon Slopes. And what fascinates me mo most, I think, about the Silicon Slopes phenomenon is how with everywhere else, there is some feature of the government or just real estate prices, right? Like Texas made itself very attractive to like libertar the libertarian capitalists that run, I don't know, big tech companies, but saying we're not going to charge you any tax and California is super woke. Uh, other places like in, in West Virginia, they're like, real estate here is basically free. You, you can't go wrong. But with Utah, what is so interesting is it is the presence of the Mormon church, or it seems to be the presence of the Mormon church, the network of 
of the Mormon society and the facts of Mormon life have in fact made it a very attractive place for these people to start scale or set up um, big tech companies in the way that we talk about them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the perfect sort of uh, start to like a weird grind mindset industry that's just kind of taken over the entire, almost the entire economy of the state at this point. Mm. I'll also you add have that I think there are also certain things that you talked about with uh, Texas and West Virginia, like appealing to like the non-woke libertarian, as well as just having super cheap real estate. If you rewind the tape back to Utah 10, 15 years ago, when all mm. of this was kind of like really in its infancy, that was also a huge part of the appeal was like you could live like Utah's cost of living was dirt cheap in comparison to like the East Coast or California or other 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 places, as well as Utah is one of the most deregulated states in the nation. And then on top of it, Utah, because of the Mormon church is incredibly insular and you have a built in network. So it's kind of this like just uh, best of both worlds scenario for outsiders, as well as like appealing to uh, other Mormons. So it's kind of this like, I guess, perfect blend of, uh, libertarian tech startup world. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. sort of the, the ideal population yes. for a libertarian tech CEO to like move somewhere is it's a lot of white people who fall for multi-level marketing scams all the time. Yes. <laughs> and, and also like, it's also like one of the reasons why Utah has invested so much in tech in the, in the last 20 years or so is that the old industries that used to be big inside Utah are, are showing signs of stress. I mean, the, the top three, I think, before tech started becoming big was was tourism, uh, mineral extraction, and also multi-level marketing. So the, the <laughs> yeah. big three, yeah. Mm. Tourism is going to be a problem because all of our national parks in southern Utah might not be hospitable in about 10 years. It was 120 oh, degrees Zion. in Zion. National Park this weekend. That's legitimately one of my favorite places on earth. I gotta go back before it gets too hot. Yeah, go go in November. Yeah. We need a soda dispensing machine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we've dumped a soda machine into the narrows. It's just like floating like face down like a corpse. Good luck. That's what you that's what you get at the summit of Angel's Landing. You make one of the most difficult hikes in the nation and you can get a nice sweet treat at the top. <laughs> so I want to I want to rewind a little bit, right? We talk about the uh, these original industries in in Utah, so resource extraction, tourism, multi-level marketing. And then the history of Utah I think also is worth going into a bit as a place that has ne- consistently negotiated its own negotiated itself into a favorable position among more powerful neighbors and peers, mm-hmm. right? This is American Switzerland. Yeah, this is <laughs> Precisely, right? This is a lot place- of lot of white people with a lot of guns who like falling for multi-level marketing scams. Two places I've been that seemed very similar to me. <laughs> Can we get some healthcare, please? <laughs> how, how how are the trains? You know, do those do those run on time? Uh, um, somewhat. I mean, we are a, we are 
pretty decent uh, Union Pacific hub, and also we have somewhat of a light rail system. Yeah, see, American Switzerland. Not the best, but it's there. Hey, unlike anywhere else in America, it's not the best, but it is there. <laughs> um, but this is this the, the history of the Mormon Mormon Church in Utah, in particular, as a kind of quasi theocracy inside the states, consistently like coming into conflict sometimes with the sort of growing power of the United States, and at the same time negotiating its own beliefs to be like, okay, the Civil Rights Act happened. Black people are now fully human. Listen, God said that uh, uh, to the president of the church uh, yeah. some 15 years after that happened. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was. <laughs> yes. God answered the call that black people were human two years after my parents graduated from high school. <laughs> it's fantastic stuff. Yeah, and he had been like leaving it on red this whole time. It's like, oh shit, I typed it before I got to send it. Yeah. Um, damn. Uh, okay, so there is this. There is this this constant negotiation, which means to me it's not surprising that Utah, as as the sort of um, the old industries of the states die, especially in the '90s, that it very quietly is not not publicizing it as much as say California or laterally Florida or or Texas, um, be begins generating companies that are tech companies that are initially serving the Mormon Church, like Ancestry.com, and then end up creating a lot of other companies that. Are again quietly humming away in the backgrounds of lots of other businesses like Qualtrics, for example. Well, it says that tech is sort of like another one of these powers with which you have to negotiate. Now, that's that's not news, but mm. I, I think about the movie Bardo a lot, which is about sort of Mexico and how one of the things that the Mexican government does in that movie is sell Baja California to Amazon because that's like a rational decision that you can make ten years in the future. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is same idea more or less, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, going through the history of like Utah in general too, like they they've been pretty they've been pretty early adapters and have been very malleable to new trends or anything like that. And also, when it comes to the structure of the government and also the structure of culture in there, like for example, when the gold rush was hit in California and all that, Utah didn't get involved in that too much, but they were more than happy to sell the picks and the axes and the pants, the people going over there to kind of start like a boom there. Same thing with like mineral rights in the early 1900s. I mean, when you did that sort of thing too, like you also kind of adopted more of like capitalistic approaches, especially when it came to like copper bosses and silver bosses and, and kind of orienting the church's culture more towards a more capitalistic approach than the like boot, like the, uh, kind of growing socialist and like late labor movement you had in Utah at the time too. I mean, there's a reason why that Utah is a state where Joe Hill got executed in. Mm. And it's just been kind of a, it's just been kind of a system that generally it finds what's kind of the, where the trends are going and jumps into it and essentially does really well. What do you, what do you credit the, what, what is distinctive about it where they're, they are able to hop on, I have my own theories, right? But what do you, th what is your theory as to how the structure and nature of Utah and the church allows them to do that? I think personally, it's the centralized structure of everything along with a very sort of, um, it's, it is a hardworking state. There are a ton of people who are willing to like break their back for labor and anything like that too. And the mixture of both like a centralized, um, system that can kind of generally push trends along with a workforce that's willing to go along with it can lead to some pretty interesting trends. Yeah. So my, my crackpot theory about this as well is just that, Unlike anywhere else in the States, what you have is 
a kind of hierarchy that is believed in fully by most people, but sits entirely outside the market. Right? There is, there is, it is full of these non-commodified, non-alienated relations. So long as you tick all the identity boxes, right? You're so long as you're white, you're man, you're you're straight, all that stuff, and that they are, and and as as part of that, you're you are actually able to rely on uh you're able to rely on the on, on having that sort of thick society that's been kind of well we broke yeah. that everywhere else that's why we yeah. had to destroy the mob well, it's, because it's, that was italians mormonism the mormon mafia is a real thing guys i promise yeah. <laughs> it's the one place where you're not it's one place in america where they're still not bowling alone as it were Mm. One of the recurring themes on our pod when we talk, because we obviously focus a lot on Utah and culture and politics, is uh, the insularity and just how homogenous Utah is. Like you, if you're living in certain uh, communities in Utah, you can go weeks without seeing a single person who doesn't look like you. Uh, You go weeks not interacting or interacting with a whole group of people who look like you, who think like you, who attend the same church. And with that, you know, there are, there are rules inside of that community. One of which like is the, you know, the pioneer spirit that is pretty pervasive throughout the Mormon culture, which is all about, you know, nose to the grindstone and working hard and being obedient and being diligent is the closest thing on earth that you can get to God. And when you put that into a professional context, you get amazing results because you get people who have just like from birth been drilled down, like, this is the way that you're supposed to be. You are, I mean, you're, you're subservient. You say, yes, you get all your work done. You work past hours yep. and there's like you're a real, drinking. there's a real glorification to that. Yeah. And, and to speak to some that Riley said too, like, yes, it is kind of like a not a relationship that's outside the market. And I think at a certain point, like the church started taking more steps to be more exploitative about Absolutely. that as well. Like for example, like tithing is a good one too. Like 10% of your income goes to the church and everything like that too. And then all of a sudden these general funds where the tithing goes into starts moving more and more towards like actual, like for profit projects that the church runs as well. Like for example, um, I can't remember the name of the, the investment firm that the church runs, but they were finding that there was a lot of money that was kind of intertwined within the same pool that was going into, into this investment firm, the church runs. Enzyme Peak. So uh, Enzyme Peak, there you go. So at a certain point, like it is outside the market, but it's having some mission creep towards the market. And I would add that, uh, you know, on the whole exploitative point that Jordan made, uh, the church, you know, as it's been revealed, has up to, you know, $150 billion endowment. And it's a church that's run almost completely on free labor. Like there's the, you know, there's the quorum of the 70, like there's the top of the top who get paid, but everybody else from like bishops on down don't get paid for any of their positions, despite spending hours upon hours every week doing that. I remember like one of like the great, the great joys, one of the great privileges of when I was young was going and like setting up the the chairs before church and cleaning the church before service. And like all of that, again, completely non-paid. Mm. Well, it's, and that goes back to this idea that like 
what you one of the reasons it, it's as attractive is it creates these perfect capitalist it creates a perfect subject for capital to exploit as a hundred percent basically and because it and that's one of the reasons why like Brigham BYU they the FBI the CIA fucking every big company goes there because they're like these people are enculturated to be as you say obedient and diligent we have oh, it, I find yeah. me a doctrinaire Mormon who fails a background check yeah. yes um, exactly and, so, and and that's one of the reasons I've come back to this why this was interesting to me because it is a if it is a an ideological a cultural ideological reason for a kind of Nascent, but again, like often highly, like, as usual, cynical and exploitative uh, uh, technology sector that's built on like the last bit of America that hasn't, or uh, much of the like developed world that hasn't had everything eroded out of it because mm. it was able to um, uh, respond like that. But I wanted to go a little into the history, right? Um, it's the 1990s when everything changes. Can you talk a little bit about like what happened there and how it's gone on to like, um, how it has gone on to affect things. I think you have a few moments in the nineties that start changing a whole lot. Like you have Novell and WordPerfect startup in, in the Hills of Utah County, which is where Silicon Slopes currently is. And that's kind of the precursor to much of the tech sector there. And you start having this growth of outside of that too, like ancestry.com starts up there too. And I think around 2001, and then you start having more and more, of a infrastructure built that can actually maintain a lot of these tech companies, most notably a national security agency data center, which is takes up pretty mm. much a good chunk of the military base. It's right next to Silicon Slopes, yeah. which, which creates a lot of the abilities for like cooling towers and for power requirements that are needed to run massive data centers, not just for the NSA, but also for like Adobe or for, or for Meta's say, opening one, or, um, sort of in Utah pretty soon, I think too. Yes, they are. They got massive tax breaks from the state to do that as well, which is funny because we're right in the middle of the state trying to regulate social media to a weird extent with with minors. So, well, they can, you know, the posts can happen elsewhere, and then the data just gets handled. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, this actually, well, I mean, it's true of the NSA too. Like, what what national security threats? are there to Utah, you know, but all of the stuff that, you know, might threaten U.S. interest gets handled or the data gets handled part through Utah. So so one of the other things I, I think you sort of alluded to just now is how this, this this creates a kind of conflict almost because we've basically Utah has Utah and the church have sort of seen, OK, we we can negotiate our future by now adapting to the sort of ongoing tech boom for the last 30 years. Uh, we've got these homegrown companies like Qualtrics and WordPerfect um, or, or Insight Sales or whatever. Um, but then that creates a sort of a clash in demands, right? Because as we've talked about a lot on this show before, quite a bit of corporate progressivism, as you might call it, is again, it's obviously cynical. It's obviously based on a business need, which is if we're going to be everywhere, if we're going to be able to potentially grow infinitely, we need to be able to work with, employ or do business with literally anybody, which means that we have to then try and try and use the um, almost like um, diversity as a kind of wheel greaser for that kind of thing. And there and as you say, like this difficulty with wanting to, on the one hand, get meta in, and on the other hand, wanting to have an extremely sort of draconian and strict social media um, uh, regulation policy. Like, how are they gonna? 
what what happens sort of when those two incentives come into come into uh, uh, opposition? Well, we already have one answer to that, which is you become California. Like that's th- how California became the way that it is culturally. In part, is a story of like that uh, that influence being exercised. Um, and you know, Texas is trying to do the the anti work version of that, and I guess Utah is what trying to thread the needle between the two, or. Essentially, yeah. yeah. I think what it mainly is, is that you'll have the tech sectors make a lot of noise about issues that are important to like the, the progressive issues, like, for example, LGBTQ rights and that, mm. and that too, where like you'll have the packs that represent like Silicon Slopes, like Silicon Slopes and Utah Tech Lead and Utah Tech Pack. Like they'll go and try and lobby like legislators like, hey, please don't put in this uh this uh, trans uh, athlete band because this mm-hmm. is stupid. It makes us look bad to the world. Yeah, and then they won't listen to them. And actually, like last week, like Cloudflare's uh, CEO Matt, Matthew Prince actually pretty much has had a quote on this one too that talked about this. And he says, "quote I think Utah has some real challenges. It's a place that I love, but also it is a place that still has the highest LGBT teen suicide rates in the country mm-hmm. and has an incredible challenge around some still very misogynistic practices and can be a very exclusionary place." But they're also not going to take their businesses out of there. No, it's it's sort of. I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, like DEI. We talked about earlier. You mentioned it as a kind of a wheel greaser, right? And it's it's along these these same lines. It's like there's this tension in terms of like who is legible and who is useful to capital in that way. Where on the one hand you have this sort of like huge body of of Mormons who are often very very useful to capital, but on the other hand, you know, if you as a tech firm, if you want to employ a trans person, for instance, or even if you want to employ someone who has like a trans family member and you want to move them to Utah, that's that's a difficulty and there's a tension there. And I don't I don't know if, if you do resolve that or if it's just, you know, something that they're content to like let simmer. Yeah, I think there's there's a the the, the example I think is really perfect is in this situation is uh, last year, the Utah legislature came out with uh, like a full trans ban, uh, mm-hmm. like puberty blockers, you know, trans folks sure. can't uh, compete in high school athletics, you know, just like the whole the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Ryan Smith, the CEO of Qualtrics, is also the owner of the Utah Jazz, partnered up with uh, Tim Cook from Apple and did this big stand uh, against the legislature saying like, we, this is, this is intolerable. We can't do this. This is inhumane, which, you know, good on mm. them. Great. I, I love it. But, uh, sure. I, the, I, I don't the, love the, 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 the silver, the, only out, the silver yeah. lining is the reason they did that is because the Utah jazz in, and Salt Lake city were slated to host the all-star game that next February. And, mm-hmm. you know, the year before Charlotte, uh, North Carolina passed the bathroom ban um, sure. and lost the all-star game. It's it's bad for business. Yeah, it's really, like- really bad for business. So, like, obviously, you know, Utah hosts the the uh, the all-star game. Spencer Cox, our governor, vetoes the bill. And then the Utah legislature plays the long game and they bring up that same bill and make it even worse and even even stricter in this mm. last session and it passes you know without the blink of an eye and there is you know now that the the all-star game has passed and and everybody's made their millions of dollars uh the tech ceos don't bat an eye and don't really say anything at all 
what a what a great example of allyship. Exactly. What a perfect what a perfect <laughs> short con. Yeah, you know? yeah it's yeah. just like it's it's it really is just that perfect example of like when it's convenient they'll they'll step up like ultimately the only thing mm. that they'll advocate for is their own profits yeah, yeah. I, i've called it i've called it a few times a political kayfabe because everyone is kind of in on the on the bit too 100 like, well we can't say that we're against it but also the same point too like we're not going to give up our our tax breaks and also their our our sandbox intuitive programs that the state of Utah has given us too. They pretty much hand wave a lot of like labor and corporate laws on that are Mm. levied against us. And like, I think like a good example of this too is also like love loud, for example, like Uh Tim cook and, uh, and, um, what's his name? Dan Reynolds from imagine dragons put on like a music festival every single year. That's pretty much focused around like supporting LGBTQ people, Mm. but also the same point too, like, they're not leaving the state. Like Apple's no. not going to shutter its stores in like city Creek mall or anything like that. Like they're still more than willing to do business here, but well, it's just like a, we just have to make it very loud that we're against it. It's also the case that like uh, you can kind of have it both ways for as long as this situation persists where either, you know, people can work remotely for one thing, but if you're someone like Apple, it doesn't matter. Like if you have someone who you want to employ who they cannot work in Utah, you can find somewhere for them in California sure. or anywhere else that you, you have an office, which is everywhere. So uh, it, it's just this thing where you just like, you just absorb it, you know, and it's, it's so grim. And even, yeah. even more so with like, with tech being such a boom here in Utah, you know, it's, it's really the thing that's, that's bolstering the economy right now. And like, you you know, if like you can't, employ a trans person well there are 17 other resumes that you can go through from you know just local you know white people from, from mormon, mormon q yeah. mormonson yeah yeah and, and so like you're <laughs> what, I didn't have what, a stereotypical mormon name yeah. on deck i'm sorry I mean, I like, ultimately like, what i'm saying is like it's it is not hard to fill jobs in the tech sector in Utah. Yeah. And while it might not be the most diverse, you're still getting butts and seats. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it just comes back to right like this, where this uneasy uh, negotiation that happens where you know this group, if Mormons in Utah, the Mormon Church in Utah in general, are able to, as they always have maintain exactly as much the exact balance between trying to make sure they're staying ahead of the next thing while keeping as much of that hierarchy that they sort of so value as intact as possible. Hey, listen, if they lose this one, then in 20 years time, God is going to say that it's okay to be trans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, honestly, that's what happened a few times. mm -hmm. God came down and said, like, well, no more polygamy. We're we're done with that. And then it was, uh, well... You lose a culture war, you go into the temple, you go into the Holy Folies, you get yourself a coffee from the coffee machine in there, and you have a sit down and you have a think and you come out and you're like, okay, God said that we have to stop doing this. I shit mean, now. there was yeah. there was the perfect example of that just a couple of years ago where the Mormon church came out and said, if you have a gay family member, you have to denounce them. Mm. You they they are they're not allowed. It was like I mean, it was a real hard line in the sand. And there was sure. obviously like it made international headlines and there was all sorts of of backlash. And then there was a string of uh, LGBTQ uh, Mormons who committed suicide, like a large number, Mm. like just this, this 
this awful, awful backlash. And then the church just comes out and was like, oh, whoopsie doodle. Uh, you don't have to do that anymore. God works in mysterious ways. And then, so you, it also you can wonder, right? Like, there are a couple more things I want to touch on here as well. You know, you can wonder. We've sort of seen the, the how much the tech bubble was driven by the era of cheap everything and free money, right? As that has now come to an end, you know, the, the question, I suppose, is how is, the, how is the Mormon church going to navigate something like Bidenomics, right? Are we going to see, like, manufacturing come back? Are we going to see, like, more action against labor unions? I mean, such as there are any, right? Like, how, how does that work? And when we have that big paradigm change. Well, I think what it is, is then you can see what happened after like the collapse of like Silicon Valley Bank, too, because almost every like Utah tech firm was banking with them as well, including the biggest bank in Utah, Zions Bank, who was um, a fairly big shareholder in, in SVB, who lost 40 percent of its stock right after its collapse. So Fun. Which is always fun. Yeah, you love a good bank run that could cause a regional crisis. But, but you also saw like the state of Utah preparing to like intervene to make sure that all these companies would still be whole. So I think at a certain point, like a lot of these in these institutions inside the state are going to play the long game when it comes to tech as well. And maybe shore up any sort of losses that may happen in the short term because they think in the long term it's going to be OK. Because, mm. I mean, after interest rates are getting cranked up in Utah, you saw pretty much every company just shedding 20, 25% of its workforce, like overnight. Yeah, we're going to bring back polygamy to deal with the uh, problem of people being unemployed. <sighs> we have to make sure everyone in the community is taken care of, so we marry them. The, the all polygamy chip fab is, you know, that's the future. Everyone works in that. That's weird. It's, you sort of come to the all polygamy chip fab from two different directions yeah. politically. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's married to each other. No one's in a union. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's the it's the differences. It's one's the polycule chip fab and one's the polygamy <laughs> chip fab. Like only one has people wearing hat ears. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, the real horseshoe theory is polygamy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and so it's you because you you just you just wonder like they're going to see the writing on the wall, and as they have always done, they're going to just keep pivoting. Um, but every time that pivot happens. It just so happens to benefit all the people. Shockingly, it tends to benefit the people at the top and the church's investment fund and things of that nature, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Mitt Romney was one of the biggest proponents for bailing out SVB to pretty much just to ensure that the state economy didn't collapse. And, and he's also the same person who famously wrote that op-ed in the New York Times and said, let Detroit go bankrupt. But mm -hmm. it's a little bit different when it's your own constituency and also Bain Capital had a fair amount of share in SVB as well. So he had his own personal interests as well. But beyond that, like it's a lot of the people that support the state that also go into the same people that support the Romneys and, and the Lees and the, and all the prominent families that were the prominent ones that settled the state in the first place. Mm. And uh, was one more thing I want to talk about on the Utah subject, which is the, and this is, this is sort of written about extensively in an article that you sent me called How Mormons Built the Next Silicon Valley While No One Was Looking, which talks about the specific importance of the fact that every Mormon is taught to go to, is taught how to be a huckster for two years yes. in their early 20s. <laughs> we teach the world how to whitewash a fence. <laughs> so can you go into that a little bit, right? Like how that, how that works and how it sort of 
selling belief in a religion is quite a bit like selling belief that my, you know, little, you know, doohickey is going to alter prepaid beverage forever. Mm. So missions are an interesting thing because it's, it's one of those voluntary, but also kind of mandatory things that people in the church have to do. Um, since me and Greg aren't by any stretch active members anymore, it does not matter for us. We, neither of us did it because we wanted to do other things in our twenties. But, um, for the most part, 18 year olds and I think 19 year old females. So 18 year old males, 19 year old females are mandated to do either a 24 month mission for, 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 um, going anywhere and females have to do an 18th month, month mission. And essentially the entire time is you are based on metrics. How many people did you meet? How many contacts did you meet? How many reference cards did you get? How many people did you go tracked on? How many people did you convert? How many people did you give first, second or third, um, discussions with, or something like that? It's a very metric driven sales process. Google analytics for salvation. You see some weird shit like that with like alternate means of reaching people. You see like Mormon TikTok uh, or missionary TikTok uh, and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, this is very, very adaptable, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's very hierarchical, too, because you have like these missions that are that are geographically based uh, under like one mission president who has district leaders and then zone leaders and then down to your individual missionary who is the one that's making contact with people. But it's those district and zone leaders that keep track of the metrics for every single missionary who's going out and converting people Mm -hmm. and giving discussions and meeting people and all that. So it's like I said, it's a very sales based thing. So of course, like once they're done with that mission, they have this sales mentality, except for instead of for the Lord, it's for Vivint going door to door selling security systems. You know, what's really funny is that um, one thing I've noticed um, is that they've been able to proselytize a great deal outside showings of the Book of Mormon, mm. which is just a fantastic example of how satire just collapses in the face of like <laughs> persistence, you know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the church actually bought an ad in the playbill for the Book of Mormon in its first <laughs> run. That's another example of just like the world's most adaptable organization. Yeah. Also, I I'm fascinated because I I want to get inside the mind of someone who laughs at the joke about you know and I I believe that you know the Garden of Eden is in upstate New York or whatever Mississippi I think uh, uh, Missouri Missouri excuse me the Garden of Eden is in Missouri um you know golden plates on a hill in New York all of this. And then goes outside, talks to a missionary one talks time. Talks to a nineteen-year-old. Talks to a nineteen-year-old girl who, who has never yeah, looked at a beer. And is and is like, sign me the fuck up. I'm I'm in. You know. <laughs> well, for a while, Mormonism was the fastest-growing religion in the UK. Yes, which I it found was very surprising. Yeah. Right, because it's, well, it's almost as if we have a lot of people who are despairing about everything and need the kind of comfort that religion can offer them. Because I, I, I in fact, yeah, I, I did used to think it was like, well, it be, it's insane that a religion based on having friendly conversations with strangers and not drinking would take off here. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but think, think about this, right? You're the most alienated you've ever been in your life, and someone who looks like they've never been unhappy in their life and has never even looked at a beer like expresses an interest in you and talks to you it's possibly the first person mm-hmm. who's done so in like years well i guess it's the it's this thing of it goes back to what i was talking about about the decommodified relations because what you've just described right with the um with the mission control basically is that is a completely decommodified sales organization that is these insti- yeah. these institutions getting getting built and then adhered to and then beloved by people but it's ultimately right it's 
what you what that gets signed up to is a deeply hierarchical, quite arguably exploitative uh, version of non alienation where you trade away so much of yourself. Yeah, I would also I'd also like to add that I think that a mission and why it transfers so well to, you know, a sales position at Vivint or Qualtrics or wherever, you know, bullshit tech company they end up at is, uh, you know, it's a pretty easy trial ground, you know, especially like what you're ultimately selling is you're selling a community, you're selling a, a belonging, you know, for a lot of people say if they're living in like a third world country, you know, there's, there's a whole welfare system that the, uh, the church oversees, you know, so you can get help paying your bills and putting food on the table as well as like, you're getting, you're selling the answers to the big questions. You're selling salvation. You know, you're selling, who are we? Where did we come from? What's happening to us, you know, after death? And, you know, ultimately for a lot of people, you know, that's, that's pretty enticing. You know, I, I, I know what's going to happen to me after death. You, oh, I get to go to church every week and I have this built-in community who's very supportive and very loving. And, and, you know, it just, for a lot of people, it can help elevate their lives in a lot of ways. And yeah, I, I mean, like the, the, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say no, if you're at your lowest right, in your life and then you haven't, you have a 19 year old blonde hair, blue eyed kid from pro from Provo, just love bombing you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like on the missionary side of things, you're able to spend two years cultivating those skills that are then completely transversal transferable to the, like the tech and corporate world when you go into sales. As a way of, uh, of, of tying things up a little bit, I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, which is, which is what, what they essentially offer and how they talk about it, how they offer these answers, how they talk, they offer community answers, sort of this, this whole comprehensive uh, package. And you've got to remember, that's how all the big technology companies talked about themselves, especially in 100%. the period between 2012 and 2020. Like, minus the after death bit. They didn't, they didn't so much address <laughs> that. Apart, apart from in WeWork. Yeah. WeWork, they did. <laughs> yeah, the, God you could, if you just replaced God with, with WeWork, basically, it's the same sales yes, pitch. Yes, absolutely. Because, because ultimately... All of these things, whether it is the various tech companies that are inside or outside Utah and the relationship between those companies and the Utah government is quite distinctive, right? They're all ultimately talking about the same thing, which is nothing is working. You are alienated. Here is a set of answers, whether that's in a pitch deck or whether that's in like a missionary conversation. It's kind of much of a muchness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're completely right, too. It's a it's. It, it does swap it out too. And I think also just like why missionaries make good salesmen too, is that you've had them in 24 months of the most adverse conditions you could possibly have as a salesperson, because you have them pretty much living off of the charity of others, top ramen and having to live with another person for 24 seven, no matter what, like at a certain point, if you can handle that, you can probably handle having a ton of phones slammed in on you and mm. having doors slammed in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a two year, uh, sales boot camp with a bunch <laughs> of people God. you've never met that you have to like, pretend that you're like, that you love, not just like mm. you have to pretend mm. that you love them and that they are a part of your family. Yeah. It's, it's, and so I guess it's, we can see how this just fits into the, 
into that, that whole long history of producing people who are just crazy enough to stay one step ahead of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say people, I mean a people, not the individual people, of course. Anyway, anyway, uh, I think that's probably a pretty good place to uh, to land. Uh, Greg, Jordan, Brigham Young Money, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. It was a gigantic pleasure. May yeah, God bless us all. Allows. that's right heavenly father um and also i want to thank you the listener for listening to the show don't forget there is a patreon five dollars a month you get a second episode ten dollars a month there are a few more episodes at some point soon you will hear a review of spitting image if you are a patreon subscriber it was it was a terrible time make it worth our while to have done that please please. do so subscribe to bring them young money subscribe to us yeah the theme song is here we go by ginseng uh we have our Edinburgh. We have our live show in London tomorrow. The link will be in the description, and we will have. If you're in Scotland, our tickets are on sale for our Edinburgh show on August fourth. Those will also be in the description as well. Uh, so once again, Brigham Young Money boys, thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the pr- on the premium episode in a couple of days. Bye. Bye. Bye.